Hey guys, welcome back to Wandering Into Wellness. Welcome. Hello. Hi. So we are here in beautiful Kilridery and we have some really special guests with us today, some great friends of mine and I am delighted that they are back in Ireland joining us on this podcast. Shan is a medical doctor and his wife Renata is a health coach and they are here today to talk to us all about plant-based diets and how we can think about links between plant-based diets and chronic health conditions today. Mm. So yeah. welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Because so guys, you obviously your your path into this we're fascinated by because there's there's a real emergent kind of paradigm at the moment where people are beginning to look at in real you know in, in broad scale medical studies where they're starting to look at the um, both as preventative models and as curative models the mm -hmm. things like type two diabetes where we can actually augment and actually reverse chronic illness using you know some of these like dietary yeah. interventions which is not really accepted currently in medical medical field so how do you guys you know how have you got brave enough to get to get out there with this because it's a brave thing it, well, fair enough yeah it is a um, it is a new emerging uh, part of medicine for sure mm. um, the interesting thing about it is it's always been there okay it's been there for decades and we've known that the more vegetables you eat the healthier a patient tends to be um, it's just as you said the large-scale studies haven't been there to support mm. that common-sense approach okay um, and it's only recently in the last 10-15 years that you're seeing a lot of interest being garnered amongst the uh, scientific community because to be fair uh, we've kind of reached a level where we can go only go so far with the present methodology mm -hmm. the present mm -hmm. pharmacological and, and the surgical management of chronic diseases mm -hmm. um, I'm a GP trainee so uh, I see this a lot in my surgery where where we've been managing patients for for years on, okay. on for their blood pressure their diabetes and medications mm. and uh, it's just you, you see you see what we call this pharmacological creep every several years they have to add on another medication mm -hmm. they have to have another intervention mm -hmm. and patients are not they're not dumb they they know that where this is going to end up how this is going to go they're not getting better yeah and that's the that's where things are changing everybody realizes it and that's where you're seeing this change, the shift in the public thinking and, and in the medical professional thinking as well. Which do you think, it's, I know it's, this is probably a chicken and egg one, but, <laughs> but where do you think it's primarily driven by? Like, is it, is it driven because the public are getting frustrated by a lack of medical progression and, 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 and a lack of insight and a lack of, you know, um, significant, you know, progress? Or is it because medical professionals are seeing these, you know, um, I know seven country studies or these sorts of things and they're beginning to like switch on to them by themselves what, what where where is the kernel of it like that's a that's a very difficult question to answer because <laughs> you're right it's a bit of a chicken and egg um mm. I think it's I think the the accolades have to be in both sides of the camp so okay. it's the patients who have who continually go to the doctors and say, I'm not feeling well, things are getting worse. Mm. Um, and they're the ones constantly putting this in front of their, their physician and their secondary care doctor saying, I need, I need better help than yeah. what I'm getting. And it's also the doctors because yeah. well, 
I'm not sure if a lot of folks know, but doctors actually try to care. Yeah. They try to help their patients. They really do. <laughs> it's, care. it's something that's really like they're kind of demonized at the moment right. in our in our like bubble. We're, they're really demonized, and, and like most people, you, you when you talk to them on an individual level, they got into it because they wanted to help people. Yeah. yeah. But they're not yeah. given the tools to do so in a way. Is that yeah, it? Yeah. That's that's exactly it. They feel they're taught one way of managing the patient and mm. helping them, but when they get out into the real world, out of medical school, and they're applying that knowledge, it works great for the first few years, but then yeah. the patient doesn't get better. They yeah. don't. They're not cured. They're not healed. Yeah. They're just managed. Yeah. And um, that's not why we became doctors. Okay. Yeah. The most for most of us. Yeah. Uh, so we get frustrated. Yeah. And we get, we we feel, we feel very um, very disempowered. I guess you can say because mm -hmm. all we're given uh, are these litany of medications to provide or surgeries, mm. and then that's it. Mm. We're not given uh, more tools in the toolbox to work with. Yeah. And. This is where you're seeing this emergence of um, plant-based nutrition and mm. these larger studies supporting other ways of helping people manage chronic diseases because doctors are sick and tired of being helpless. Great. And, and it's lovely to hear that. It, well, it, it's true. It's true. Mm. And I, I see mean, it's this bad. It's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's lovely to hear the frustration is turning into a thing. But yeah. yeah. And yeah. this is why you're seeing more doctors uh, jumping on that kind of bandwagon of, mm. of how to manage a patient outside of a medical aspect yeah. and it's important because in uh, as a gp i'm told constantly to have as many tools as i have mm. as i can mm. build up a large enough armory to manage patients to help patients because if something doesn't work we can always go to something else and there's always options to look forward to yeah um with a plant-based or, or nutrition-based um uh, skill set i guess mm -hmm. you can say you have a lot to work with in addition to pharmacological yeah. as well as surgical so it's for me I find I have it feels like I have an infinite war chest to work with when mm. I'm trying to help a patient and I can always tailor their diet with the medication so it's not mutually exclusive mm -hmm. and that's where a lot of doctors get concerned mm. um, if I if, if I prescribe then I can't offer dietary advice or if I'm gonna offer dietary advice and I can't give medications or I can't suggest surgery mm. that's not necessarily the case yeah. I mean you're doing what's best for the patient and every patient's different and every patient's unique um, but the basis of healing should always come from nutrition yeah. And that's that's my approach. Yeah. I think what's what's interesting is even in you asking that question to Shan, like, do you think it comes from the general public or from the medical practitioners? Like the medical practitioners are also the general public, right? Yeah. Like they're still yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, I think well. that yeah, we truth, we yeah. divide it into this kind of dichotomy of like you are either a medical mm. person or you're a person. Mm. And like the medical <laughs> people true. are people, and you know the doctors are going, hey, my back hurts. I'm going to go try this thing. It didn't work. Okay, maybe I'll try yoga. Hey, yoga really works. And then they go, oh, yeah. yoga works. I'm going to look into yoga. And then they have a thing to dis you know to think about. Okay, this is another skill set that I can recommend. Mm. Or my diet isn't suiting me. I'm going to go look into it. And then they have that to talk to as well so it's they are the public they are the, this awakening that's happening yeah. amongst everyone and this search for greater knowledge and more empowerment and, and that feeling of like actually I can do something for myself and maybe there there are things out in our environment that can help us I imagine I'm not a doctor but I imagine the doctors are doing that a lot of them in their own lives as well yeah, they most, want most doctors that that we know uh, went into nutrition for the same reason because they had a medical condition mm. that they couldn't manage medically so yeah. they needed to look outside of medicine and find uh, and look at their diets, look at different things to try to manage their own condition. And yeah. that's why they became passionate about yeah. it. And another reason is, I think, because it's a big topic nowadays, is that uh, humanity is sicker than ever. Yeah. Like, we look around, it's really hard to find a healthy person who doesn't have any health issues. 
So that's becoming mainstream, that's becoming the new normal. So people are sick and tired of that because they don't see an end to that. Mm -hmm. So this mm -hmm. is why diet and natural uh, therapies and natural ways of managing disease is becoming so important and yeah. so big nowadays. Yeah. How You guys have an interesting story about how you got into the fields that you're in and how you came to this place that you guys are at now where you're working together. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, we had we had two good reasons actually. One yeah. was my own condition, uh, and uh, before that was we um, 2005 uh, we had a daughter who was born with Down syndrome. She was our first child, and when she was born, uh, we were kind of uh, lost. We didn't really know. We weren't provided much information about what we can expect. We didn't know much about Down syndrome. Other than uh, the medical aspect. Yeah, other than the medical right. aspect, which was not too positive, but we, yeah. what we read in the medical journals about it. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, we decided that uh, we want a happy life for her, like any parent. We decided that we want a healthy life for her. And even though she was born with a heart condition and she had heart surgery at the age of five months, yeah. uh, we wanted to look into ways of keeping her as healthy as possible. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that we looked at was our own diets. And we wanted to be healthy for our children. So we became parents. We wanted to be healthy parents to stay yeah. around as long as we can for her and then for her sister. Um, so that was the first uh, moment when we actually started thinking about let's look at our diets, let's try to clean it up, yeah. let's try to make it as healthy as possible. So we will be healthy for her, and she will be, she will have a healthy life. Okay. Um, and, and so the uh, where are you from? I'm from Hungary. From Hungary. Okay. So did you have like in your parents' diet or in your upbringing, did you have like things that you were able to look back to? You were able to go, okay, well these are like healthy kind of food traditions from your own upbringing, or yeah. did you have to kind of go from <laughs> scratch? Okay, right, maybe not. <laughs> no, <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I grew up in an Eastern Hungarian village. Okay. We okay. grew our own food, but we still had a meat-heavy diet. Okay. Like the Hungarian diet, goulash, yes. or the beef stew, and yeah. all these kind of things. They were made from scratch. Okay. They were made from animals that yeah. we, that we uh, grew, was made with vegetables that we grew, but... Uh, I didn't feel healthier than, than you know than I than anybody else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we had our second daughter, and uh, five months later, my head disappeared. Oh, I right. I never had any health issues. I thought I was the picture of health. And after my second pregnancy, my life collapsed from one moment to the other. I started having severe panic attacks. I, I oh. uh, social anxiety, um, brain fog, constant fatigue, and. Uh, our younger daughter was five months old, so we were like, you know, what is it? Is it the breastfeeding that drained mm -hmm. me? Is it, uh, is it my husband's dad passing that destroyed my mental health? And we tried to figure it out, like, what was it that caused this? I went to my GP. They said, yeah, you have two young children. Your husband said, you are at home alone. It's probably that what's causing your issues. Postpartum depression. I can refer you to a psychiatrist. I'm like, but I can feel that it's not in my head. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't need drugs. I don't need antidepressants. I'm not depressed. I'm constantly at an altered level of anxiety. Mm. Um, so it took years. I didn't take the medication route. Uh, I tried to manage. I took it every uh, one day at a time. Right. Um, and then a few years later, my GP did some tests, everything was negative, there's nothing wrong with you physically, it's only in your head. Um, once the children grow up, it will be better. I'm like, but I need help now. Mm. Yeah, you have to have a life. Yeah, I have to have a life, I have mm. to be there for the children. I think I that's, that's the thing that's frustrating a, a lot as, as a member of the public when you go to your GP often, 
if you're talking about something that seems intangible or, or might be not like a really serious thing, but a thing that's impacting your life, often the answer you're getting is, you know, you're just getting older and as you're getting older these things happen or you've just had a baby you know you're chronically tired yeah. and, and and there's this they make it sound like as if it was normal yeah it's normal yeah. and it's just you just have to live with it you know, <laughs> live with it expected yeah. Yeah. So you should feel pretty crap for just, a few years but things will yeah. things will perk up yeah. uh, or not or just or like not. this is an inevitable decline yeah. it's a new normal for just, the rest of your life and if you're saying no i no, i don't yeah. accept that that's that is not the life policy yeah. that I want. They're kind of like... Mm. I don't accept that either. With, uh, when I'm with my patients, I don't mm. accept that. Mm. I have 60-year-olds coming in to me who walk like 90-year-olds, and they say, oh, well, I've had this for, for a few years now. It's yeah. just, just this old age. Understanding their friends it's are the same. So like, yeah. And I tell them mm. no. no. I tell them flat out. I said, no, that's, that's not true. You mm. don't have to be like that. If you just make a few changes to, to your diet, you start exercising a little bit more. And by the way, yoga is the first thing I recommend to everybody. So <laughs> I'm not presenting. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's, it's, a big, it's a big problem because society expects that when you hit a certain age, you start to decline. Yeah. And, and they easily accept mm. um, those, those, those bumps along the road, the health road. Yeah. As, as yeah, they normal. think that disease should come in yeah. old age. But yeah. we also see disease in children. Children are having adult diseases. Yeah. I mean, like, I was listening to somebody, oh, who was it? I can't remember. Um, a big U.S. doc, and he was, oh, no, I'll tell you who it was. It was the guy who did uh, Bruce Lipton, Biology oh, Belief. And he was talking about, he was like, in the 1970s, I would go to a, um, a one, a, what a bring, you know, bring a pot meal party. Nobody was asking if you were gluten intolerant, you know, like, and it's 40 years ago. And suddenly it's like every school is like no peanuts, no yeah. gluten, no, you know, yeah. and it's, it's wild. I mean, it's like a, a generation and a half and it's, the, the world is upside down with autoimmunity. It's, it's, it's yes. mad. Yeah. What do you see uh, plant-based diet as a way back to helping with that? Do you, like the roots of autoimmunity and, and how, how quickly it's come at us, what do you kind of see as... The, maybe a little bit of the cause behind that and, and, and what are the quickest paths to, to looking at It's funny you bring that. it up because the end of my story Oh sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. No, no, sorry. It has to do with autoimmunity okay, good. So it took, it took us several years we, we tried different uh, tests, different kind of but it was all western medicine kind of stuff uh -huh. and we, nothing we, showed up We did like tapping as well and yeah, mindfulness I tried like tapping, we mindfulness did, We did psychological based uh, Okay. Because, but we knew that it wasn't mental. It wasn't yeah. a mental issue. Mm -hmm. I could feel that something went wrong in my in my body with my second pregnancy that mm -hmm. triggered it. But we didn't know how to look for it. Yeah, yeah. we didn't know because we didn't know what we, we were looking for. for. Exactly. Yeah. So we finally, I had thyroid tests done before, uh, but only TSH and T4, which is a basic mm -hmm. test GP still. It was all normal. You have a normal thyroid, no thyroid issue. A few years later, we ran a full thyroid panel privately on myself. And uh, it turned out that I had Hashimoto's. Reverse T3, whatever was the the antibodies, the TPO oh, antibodies oh, the were yeah. through the roof. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, so it was causing all my symptoms. So when, then we, we finally had something to work with. We knew what the issue was. And then we looked online and... Uh, started digging. We started digging. Mm -hmm. And if you look up autoimmunity and diet, it's the AIP diet that comes up, which is autoimmune paleo. Mm. But we already uh, had a kind of plant-based diet at that point, And I knew that I, I, I couldn't live on meat, mainly, and vegetables. Uh, and um, mm. that's when we, we were like, there has to be another way. And uh, we also had patients who were uh, previously on the paleo and AIP type of diet, and it worked wonderfully at the beginning. Yes. They, their antibodies went down, they felt great, they had more energy, but 
they hit a level where they started yeah. declining again. Mm. And that's the, that's the thing with the paleo diet. We see in a lot of patients mm. uh, that ceiling. they come back years yeah. later that I did the paleo and it, it worked for a short period of time, yes. but I'm more fatigued, uh, mm. the bloods look worse, wow. I feel bad, I feel worse than I did before. Um, so we wanted to try and heal me without going the AIP route. Uh, so uh, we did some other tests, uh, and if you have an autoimmune condition, then you automatically have gut issues as well. Mm -hmm. Leaky gut is, mm -hmm. uh, is a trigger for, uh, for autoimmunity to start. Um, so we, start, we looked into gut healing. We did a lot of gut healing. We removed gluten, dairy, and, uh, but I, I didn't have dairy at that point, uh, mm -hmm. and soy. Mm -hmm. Um, and eggs. And eggs, but eggs. we were plant-based, so we didn't have a, we didn't eat eggs at that mm -hmm. point already. Um, and slowly, slowly, I started feeling better. Okay. Uh, a lot of focus on gut healing and. What uh, did you use when in, for gut healing? What interventions did you use in terms of supplement protocol, or can you remember any um, other things? That you we didn't really overcomplicate this. Okay. I, I cut out processed foods. Okay. Uh, I cut out uh, processed drinks. Uh -huh. um, I ate a lot of uh, jelly-type foods: chia yeah. seeds, mm -hmm. flax seeds. Glucomonal. As for a supplement, we use glucomonal, okay, yeah, which yeah. is a fiber that kind of helped to clear out the gut and mm. remove substances mm. that, that might be the issue there. We did parasite testing, everything was negative. Was it? Okay, so yeah. actually when you were doing like stool analysis, you actually weren't getting... Up, oh, nothing showed up, nothing showed up, nothing showed up. And bloating was my only issue, that uh, only gut issue. Mm. So I, I always thought that I had a healthy gut, but then, mm. uh, then bloating was the only thing that... Uh, yeah. yeah. And then we started paying attention because they say if you have bloating or uh, the paleo movement says that you shouldn't have grains, you shouldn't have mm. pulses and beans because of the lectins. But uh, the lectin level actually can heavily reduce with soaking, 24 hour yeah. soaking, that's yeah. what we do. Yeah. And then, you know, when we when we cook, and oxalate yes, and these are things yes, people go, yes, ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cooking them pretty much gets rid of it. Exactly. Yeah. And then we actually look at the healthiest groups of people on earth, they have a lectin heavy Absolutely. diet. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mm, it's interesting. Yeah. Wow. So how quickly after going towards that plant-based diet did you begin to see like outcomes in terms of like panic attacks or or the the sorts of symptoms that you were really suffering initially? Like did you was it was it a case of months or years or No, definitely wasn't years. Okay. Um, yes. within months. Yeah. Was it? Within really? months. I think well, within months. 6 months. Yeah. Wow. She was feeling yeah. better. Mm. She okay. had her energy yeah. back. Wow. She was just getting back to you, you could see it. You yeah. could physically see it in her. And did you actually, did you see it, like, did you do, I'm sure you took lots of biomarkers as soon as you started to see improvements, and did you see changes there in terms Absolutely. of like, yeah. just by yeah. removing uh, gluten and soy, my yeah. antibodies reduced by half. Wow, there you Within go. Within the first, yeah. I think, three months? Yeah. Mm -hmm. wow. yeah. yeah. yeah so it was, it was quite significant. Yeah. yeah. And then from there, it was just honing the diet, cleaning it up a bit more, mm -hmm. and letting the body heal, because that's what yeah. the body wants to do. It wants yeah, yeah, yeah. to heal, yeah, but to what we're eating, what we're drinking is preventing it from doing so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so probiotics we, were another supplement yeah. that, okay. that we did for the gut, okay. single yeah. strain probiotics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we, when I had done a lot of research on sort of gut healing and stuff, all the stuff that seems to come up is bone broths. And, and that's a big, massive thing that people will talk about in, in gut healing, that you need yeah. to turn to bone broths. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, interesting about that. We we tried it uh, in the beginning, um, but it didn't seem to offer any 
anything and else but a histamine difference. reaction. Mm. And that's, the, okay. that's yeah. the downside of brown broth, mm. that people who are histamine sensitive, then, yeah. then they uh, they have a reaction to that. We like when we get it from foods like sauerkrauts as well, unfortunately, sometimes yeah. it can trigger a lot of those yeah. things that it's designed to really yeah. help. And what would that look like, the histamine reaction in practicality? Um, you know, flushing, itching, mm. that, that was the one that, uh, that I noticed. Okay. Uh, and of course, histamine reactions will promote an immune response as well, okay. because histamine comes from mast cells, and mast cells are part of the immune system. So if they release their histamine, it will trigger the immune system by the back door, and that will pump up autoimmune responses. Mm -hmm. okay, so this is why you want to make sure your histamine reaction, if you're suffering from an autoimmune disease, you want to make sure that histamine... And this is why it's important to look for the trigger. Yeah. So if you're a high histamine type, are there any things that you particularly do to, to manage that supplement or diet-wise that you found that were particularly useful? Well, staying ironically, staying away from fermented foods because yeah. of that high histamine response. Yeah. Um, trying not to eat leftovers that have been sitting around for too long. Okay. okay. So um, we always cook from fresh, and like even for our daughter. It's time in the morning, she takes her life We make it in the morning and she takes it fresh. Wow, produce. But it's become part of our daily life. Uh -huh. So if, if, if she's not in the kitchen, being able to, to make breakfast, I'll, I'll jump in and we'll, we'll do something. I mean, it's, yeah. we've gotten to the point where we we are comfortable in swapping roles yeah. and okay. getting work the work done quickly. So Ready we're managing it as well as we can. Prep, prep, focus. Yeah, it's, it is. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, once, it is. once you have the habit, it's not difficult. No, so people might be afraid of yeah. you know making your own food yeah. and, and having an autoimmune condition. Then it must be so difficult yeah. to eat. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. Just keep it simple. Yeah. It's an interesting, it doesn't have to be complicated. It's an interesting thing. It's a lifestyle choice. Yeah. Much mm. like going to the gym mm. or going for a run mm. or having a glass of wine at the end of the day. Um, these are lifestyle choices. You choose to do that. Yeah. And I always tell my patients that the lifestyle choices you're making will determine your health in the future. Mm. So if you can make healthier choices now, it's easier in the future to, make, to stay healthy. Absolutely. And I try to sell that all the time. Try, like you said, empower patients to, yeah. to heal themselves. Isn't it funny that we're so people are so invested in the idea of paying for health insurance? Like they'll give eight hundred quid, a grand more per year. People who are not well off will do that. Yeah. But that versus prepping meals, it's the same thing. It's health insurance, but it's with a different name, and, yeah. and it's a it's a cheap version this of. This is health it? insurance exactly. for a life. Yeah. And then you control it. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's in your. It's in your. Yeah. But we just want like. So often, everything we just want to be able to like press a button or hand a thing over mm. and just go like, "You do that for me." Yeah, not we like want to press I the do the thing. That we, like, sacrifice yeah, yeah, yeah money-wise, just to like. But not it's, have it's to think the same it. as going to the doctor yeah. and, and people just wanting a pill. And yeah, going, yeah. So they don't want to do the go get fitter, yeah, eat healthier, yeah. sleep to more, take a pill, drink it more. It takes only a moment. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you're done with it. But it's also just not taking responsibility, though, isn't it? It's not like attaching to going. I have the power. Yeah. myself yeah. it's going like you can fix me yeah. but i'm not going to do the work to fix it there's one cool health insurer in the states who started um taking into account what you do in terms of your exercise they use they use like fitbit style things to track your exercise stuff, nice. and, they, and they reduce your health insurance cost based on this is oh, like really? uh, they sponsor a couple of podcasts i listen to as well it's amazing like, when that transitions over here yeah. that's going to make a that's huge really though, huge and it should be that way yeah, when yeah, you absolutely. think about the chinese yeah. model where it's like you pay your doctor while you're well, and yeah. as soon as you get sick, you stop paying them. Yeah. Like, that's great. Yeah. It's the way <laughs> that would be the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do. It's funny because, because I was talking, my brother's a doctor as well, and we were talking about doctors in general, because he's a surgeon and I'm not. So we're two different aspects of medicine. And we were talking about um, what makes a good doctor. And it's 
ironic ironically we don't really see eye to eye a lot when it comes to medical related stuff because he's a surgeon and he's all about cutting and mm-hmm. splicing and mm-hmm. uh-huh. doing what he does and i'm all about preventing people from getting to that point yeah. Yeah. So, put but, the knife back in the drawer yeah. <laughs> put the knife down yeah. the interesting thing was we both agreed that a good doctor's job is to go broke yeah. A good doctor yeah. should be so good that he doesn't get patients puts out, out of business. Yeah, 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 yeah puts yeah, himself yeah. out of business. So, yeah. Yeah. so that's interesting because as a surgeon who wants people to come to him, he doesn't want people to come to him. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's like that in any field of, of kind of alternative health that's stuff, that, isn't yeah. it? You know, thinking about when I was working full time as a bone practitioner, it was that it was that weird dichotomy where you're kind of going, well, I want people to come and, and get fixed. And then I have no people, <laughs> and I can't eat. But yeah. that's what you're wanting. You're not wanting them to be coming back every week yeah. and for yeah. a year. And you know, you just want it to be a word of mouth thing where there's always going to be people. Yeah, you know, unless you're coaching things. them on the way of health. Yeah, mm-hmm. doctors unfortunately don't have time for that's, that's uh, that's that's coaching trick, people. Eh? Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Which brings us to your current thing. Yeah. So, uh, what what are you you guys have set up a practice in around nutrition around smart med smart med yeah. Yeah. yeah so tell us about it a little bit maybe yeah so um it was something we've been thinking about for a while um, since we got really deep into the nutrition aspect we wanted to we wanted to find a way to kind of give give back our knowledge to to the people who are, who need us most um, as a doctor as I said I've seen lots of people who are struggling with their present um, setup and mm. they want something different um, and I unfortunately as a GP only have X amount of time mm. I need 30 40 50 minutes to speak with a patient to mm. get them involved in the process yeah. to, to get them to understand that the power to heal themselves and is to with, give them the tools is to within, their, yeah. within their grasp exactly yeah. to show them that they have the tools to, to take care of themselves but I simply don't have the time to do that so this is why my wife and I um, wanted to put together this this kind of a program, this, this website to kind of give that information out to people and serve as a, as a central point of where people can go to to get information on how to heal themselves. Right. Um, so this is where we came up with the name Smart Men Nutrition. Cool. Mm-hmm. So what, what does it do? What can people get from, from the website? Like, are you writing blogs there? Is yeah. it like a source of, is it study articles or reference there? Or what's, what's up there? So it's a little bit of everything. Um, yeah. We're right. still at the beginning. So yeah. okay. the website is done, but we're still at the beginning. Okay. We, we are focusing on uh, preventing and reversing chronic diseases, lifestyle-induced chronic diseases with diet. Mm-hmm. So we're blogging with references. We, have, we put the references in our mm-hmm. articles, all the studies and research that, that's mm-hmm. out there. Uh, on the topic and uh, and we want to put together a program for people from A to Z where they go and they can just go through the program mm. because chronic disease kind of has the same route. It all starts in our kitchen. It all starts on the plate mm. uh, regardless of age. So we want to want to have a program for them with all the tools, with the recipes, cooking, even because a lot of people, we hear from a lot of people that, you know, I don't cook. I don't know mm. how to cook. And it's not simple, especially if you cook mm. with vegetables and gravy. Mm. It's so simple and it's so flavorful. It's so just we, people aren't used to it. Yeah. So we want to give them all the tools that they can do uh, to actually reverse or prevent their yeah, disease. Right, right. And can people get consults with you as well? Like, can they you know, can go, I have this and I'd really like to be coached? Do you do like Skype sessions that they can pay one on one or is it just purely a website based thing? Well, for now, it's well. The consultation is one thing that we are going to look look towards doing. Okay. Um, particularly when I finish my my training, yeah. then I'll be able to devote all my time to that. Cool. Um, but right now, it's just getting information out and providing okay. uh, information for them to use, so that they can feel empowered to manage okay. things themselves. And of course, 
if if they're having trouble along the way because sometimes you hit a snag and you need yeah. you need somebody to kind of untangle you. Yeah. Um, we're, available. we're available for, for that. So that's right. nice. so we're there for support. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. That's a really nice facility. It's that's so great to have that because I mean I, I have people all the time just in classes coming up and I think it's it's a, a weird thing because obviously my job is a yoga teacher or a therapist. It's not a nutritionist, but always people come up after class and go, hey, I've got this thing and what do you recommend diet wise? Yeah. <laughs> and obviously yeah, you know yeah. I know a bit about it and I spent yeah. time reading it and like in my own life and but at the same time it's not something that I can go well oh Hashimoto's is it I'll just tell you all about that but it's so great to be able to have a place a resource that I can trust that I can send people to and people that can that aren't just going to go here it is and leave them alone that there is a facility for them if they do hit a snag or if they're having trouble or if their situation is maybe a little bit more unique and they need extra support mm. that they've got people who really know what they're talking about to turn to so when they're when those people are looking for you and they're like looking maybe to raise say kids around this what how do you feel about raising kids around plant-based mm. nutrition it's a really controversial topic at the moment i know like it isn't it Italy? I think, but they've actually banned. They've made it a, a crime to raise because kids on a vegan th- diet. Yeah, there, <laughs> were, there were some cases mm. where uh, where the child was very malnourished, yeah. malnourished, and it was an infant, I believe. Yeah. And uh, plant-based milks definitely cannot substitute mother's milk. Cannot mm. substitute uh, formula milk because mm. they just simply don't have the the nutritional uh, density. Yeah, mm. density. Uh, to be, yeah, 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 to be uh, suitable for that, but um, plant-based diets are still recommended at every uh, every age. Uh, so it's it's regardless uh, if it's a baby, it's regardless if it's an infant, it's regardless if the person is 70 years old. Mm. Plant-based diets are still still suitable, a well-planned plant-based diet. Yeah. What is it? What's the difference? Can you specify the difference between veganism and a plant-based diet? Sure. So um, there is a there is a distinct difference. So. Veganism is a um, is a ethical moral stance okay. in regards to animals, and so yes, vegans do eat plant based, but that's because of their moral objections mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. anything that comes from an animal, okay. you know, eggs and milk and, and meat. Um, so they they look at the societal environmental aspect impact that we have with animals, and and that's their stance. Okay. Food and health is, a, is, in my opinion, a bit of a byproduct of that of that aspect. Yes, it may it may um, it may be a, a selling point for for being vegan. You know, you know, don't eat meat, don't eat eggs. But um, you can be vegan and you can be unhealthy, mm. yeah. and that's what I'm trying to get at. If you're plant based, um, you focus more on the nutrition aspect of the veganism so okay. if, if you if you want to call it that so I don't want to say that people who are plant-based don't care about animals because we surely do yeah I was going to say that a huge part of it right? yeah no we, we do understand and we and there are a lot of overlap between plant-based folks and vegan folks but um, the plant-based ideology is not a is not an ethical Mm. It's not putting animals not ahead of your own needs, essentially. No, it it's is. putting your own needs at the top of the pyramid to some degree, from a nutritional standpoint. From a nutritional standpoint, yeah. yes. Because, I mean, if the if the literature showed that eating meat and eggs and dairy was superior for your health, mm. then we wouldn't be having this discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the fact is the literature, the medical literature, does not show that. Mm. It does not show that in any way. So it's easier for us to be able to take that stance where a plant-based diet 
is better for you and it just so happens to be that's what vegans are talking about as well mm. um, again uh, we don't necessarily uh, uh, look badly upon vegans at all that's not, not the case all. not mm. at all um, we just prefer to look at the plate that you're eating mm. and look at it from a from a medical standpoint we want your health to be as 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 beneficial as 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 optimal as possible mm. for your lifestyle and the best way to do that yeah, is so we look at our countries. job as helping people to go plant-based to be in better health. Mm. Do you think that there are some people for whom being plant-based is not the best option? Are there circumstances where that isn't the right route? I have yet to see that in my clinic. Um, as far as I know, there's nobody that's allergic to lettuce, <laughs> despite what they say. <laughs> okay, um, so eating, the interesting thing is going plant-based will reduce Oh, in the long term, will reduce your risk of becoming sensitized to foods. Okay. So, if you have an allergy to nuts, that's not an anaphylactic response. So, there is a difference between allergies. People use the word allergies for any kind of reaction they have in their body. In medicine, we call that a sensitivity. Mm -hmm. An allergy is where you have an anaphylactic response, mm -hmm. which is a life-threatening condition. Mm -hmm. That has to be a very distinct uh, mm -hmm. uh, difference between the two. Um, if you have an anaphylactic response, then yes, you should avoid that at all costs because there's probably something in your genetic makeup that makes you susceptible to being to responding that way. But the other types of sensitivities, where you can break out in hives, or you, or you, you know, you get spots on your face, or, or um, what have you, get a digestive issue. Um, those are sensitivities, and those can be managed and removed over time as your body heals itself. Mm. So it's interesting um, that. You see a lot, as you said, you see a lot of allergies now. A lot of people who are sensitive, you know, gluten and nuts and all the other mm. types of food. A lot of that will go away if you start on a plant-based diet and mm. continue on a plant-based diet. Okay. And we are you, talking about whole food plant-based. And yeah. we are talking about yeah. whole food plant-based. There is a the deeper you go into this, the more the nuances occur <laughs> between nomenclatures. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, if you, like I said, you can be vegan but unhealthy, you mm -hmm. can be plant-based and still unhealthy. Mm. If you're whole food plant-based, you're going to be the healthiest of the three types. Yeah, uh, yeah, Because yeah. the types of food you're taking in will cover the wide, wide, um, very wide variety of nutrients and minerals yeah. that you need. So can you break that down? What, what mm. does that mean, whole food plant-based? Do you want to go? What's, what, was <laughs> you, what was your dinner yesterday evening? Uh, oh, you know. Oh. <laughs> from two days ago. <laughs> no, usually, we are in vacation, so usually we design our plate in a really simple way to make sure, to make it easier for me as a mom who cooks every day and to, and to make, make sure that I give all the nutrients to my children that they need. So when we have the plate, uh, the majority of, uh, of it is uh, some type of whole grain. Uh, brown rice, quinoa, amaranth, millet, mm -hmm. Um, and then the next portion is some type of protein, lentils, beans, pulses, um, and then we would have a whole bunch of steamed uh, or roasted vegetables, mm -hmm. and then a few pieces of nuts or avocados for fats, and then a few pieces of fruit. So that would ideally be a lunch or a dinner yes. for us. Okay. Okay. It's okay. amazing how filling, filling that actually Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Yeah. Vegetables are filling. We rarely eat enough of them to how notice do, it. How do you find that though when you're not in your own home, when yeah. you're traveling or, you know, like I have a son obviously and when you go to parties, for example, at other people's yeah. houses or you go to stay in people's houses maybe for three or four days, how do you negotiate that? 
it's difficult. Yeah, the social part. <laughs> the social, <laughs> yeah, the social part definitely can be difficult. Mm. Can be, but usually we talk to people, and people who we stay with, they know that we are plant-based, mm. or we either bring our food, or or you know, it, it's not difficult to to have healthy food available. Like we took the ferry over from the UK when we came to Ireland, and we had steamed rice with us, we had uh, pre-made hummus with us, with vegetable sticks, uh, we had uh, some baked beans. Some baked beans, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so even if we travel... And fruits, yeah. Yeah. We nuts, fruits, nuts. Yeah. yeah, for snacks we bring fruits and nuts for the children. And would you always soak your nuts? Uh, usually, usually we soak and dry Big them. Top. Yes, ideally, <laughs> ideally we would we would soak and uh, and dry the nuts before before we yeah. eat them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we do them in big batches. Like it, it may sound it may it may sound dif uh, difficult, you know, soaking your grains, soaking mm. your beans, soaking your seeds and nuts. But we do them in big batches. Yeah. Like you know, we just toss them in the oven, soak them, big amount, put them in the oven, yeah. dry them, and then not the beans though and then just put them in containers and they're readily available. Yeah. And so what about then, what, what does that look like in, in school for your kids? Do they eat lunch boxes or do they eat school food? They and it, how do they negotiate they, that? They take the food from home. They take and the food they, they prefer taking their food oh, from good. home. Okay. Nice. I mean, with our younger daughter, Kira, um, there, is, uh, there is some... Bigger room. There is some wiggle room because yeah. she's, her, all her classmates have quite unhealthy lifestyles mm -hmm. and the foods they bring to school are less than desirable and mm -hmm. so she gets a lot of pushback yeah. from her from her classmates oh why are you eating that Ew, that's disgusting mm -hmm. and the funny thing is is her classmates are overweight they're covered in eczema they've got asthma mm -hmm. they've got chronic health conditions and they're all 12 years old 11 years old wow. she's the the healthiest child there by far never a sick day and she's the one being ridiculed. It's just, yeah. it's, it's just it's not, so hard, it's though, isn't it, to, to yeah. explain that? You know, my, mm. my son's only just turned four, and it's very hard. Like going to a party, you know, often the party spread is, you know, crisps, yeah. uh, chocolate, Haribo, yeah. marshmallows, cake, you know, fruit, great, um, busy drinks, busy drinks yeah. squashes, this kind of stuff. And it's very hard to be the one parent there going, no, 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 you can't have that thing, or no, 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 just two of those ones there, or like here's the breadsticks. You know, it. it feels like you're making a massive judgment mm. on the other parents and yeah. their yeah, choices it's yeah, and it's, it's also a huge like part of denial for your child that you're going no you you can't have that it's definitely not this. a judgmental thing obviously mm. from our side uh, what we can do is we can show them the example we can tell them and they see it at home what's mm. what's the healthy way of living mm -hmm. and we gave them the freedom they know they have the freedom if they go to a birthday party to choose whatever they want but okay. what we notice is that they choose water they choose the healthiest, healthiest well, option that's available there. Right. So it's paying off. Yeah. And they don't feel restricted. They know that, you know, I they could can. choose that burger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But rather, I choose this because this is healthier. And that's why their taste buds have known from day yeah. one. It's a, that's it's what we noticed when we went plant based. It, it took was. a few weeks and our taste buds <laughs> completely changed. Mm. Cravings went Attitudes away. Sugar mm. and stuff, yeah. Cravings yeah. went yeah. away. <laughs> and food was just enough. Like, you were satisfied with your meal for hours. Mm. Yeah. No craving in between. It was interesting because I remember um, I cut up a pineapple that we had let sit for an extra couple of days because we had forgotten about it And when we were plant-based. And I remember just how sweet that was. It yeah. was super sweet. Mm. And I didn't remember. Oh, it was too sweet. It was too <laughs> sweet because our taste buds had changed yeah. and we weren't used to eating it. So even normal fruits and vegetables can be super sweet yeah. in the yeah. right condition. So yeah. I can only imagine how... I, I just can't recall us 
eating all the processed food before and thinking, oh, this isn't sweet enough. Yeah. It's <laughs> like I had a, uh, last night I had a, like a, a meal, quinoa, a load of bits and bobs in it and lots of veggies. And I finished the bowl and I'd like, I'd made extra for today. Um, histamine problem. But, um, <laughs> well, I could back and check on that one. Um, but, uh, I, I was sitting down, it was like, I actually ate quite early as well, it was amazing, I was like kind of home and on time, sort of like half eight, which is early for me, and uh, I was like two hours later and I was like, okay, kind of time for bed now, and there's a, a tub of Booja Booja ice cream sitting in the freezer, but it's been there for months, and um, as somebody, I had somebody over last weekend and, and their kid noticed it in the freezer, and I was like, oh, that thing, I was like, damn, and it just, it hit me on my way to bed, I was like, Ugh. Just get rid of it. Just eat the damn thing. Get it. <laughs> but it's but it's weird. It wasn't like it wasn't like it, it wasn't coming from a place of kind of like okay, food is done. Now something sweet. Yeah. It was kind of like, do you know, it was it was a really enjoyable thing to yeah. do, but it didn't feel like a routine. And it, it's yeah. just, it's just, I, I remember coming from that place of routine. I have so many friends who do, and mm. and uh, and I've lived with people who kind of like it's immediately from dinner to the sweet thing, mm. and that's the yeah. rest of the, the pattern. The rest of the evening is sweet yeah. stuff and mugs of tea and biscuits and whatever. Mm. Uh, it's it's it, it, it is really strange. <laughs> like, like, just looking at me like. <laughs> Basically, that's you. Mugs of tea, for sure. But come on, we're not talking like builders' tea with. Like I do. Milk. I do have a sweet tooth, though. I can't pretend that I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't eat loads of rubbish, but mm. I do like to eat some dark chocolate. We're talking about the odd date, sure. you know, the odd yeah. date and a bit of dark chocolate. <laughs> yeah. So bad. How, how do you guys uh, do in terms of like when you when you go through kind of stressful times? Do you find you know that usually when people are under stress, that's when they reach for those things: yeah. more coffee, mm -hmm. more sugar. How do you do? You find your body responds differently to that now, and and and, and do you have do you have weaknesses? Are you human? <laughs> do you eat the cake? <laughs> That's all we want to Without know. a doubt, we are human. Um, when I used to work in hospital and I was stuck on those twilight shifts and those night shifts, mm. um, let me tell you, your your circadian rhythm is is all kinds of messed up, mm. and it is it plays havoc on your appetite. Without a doubt, and uh, I didn't really notice it when I wasn't fully plant-based um, but when I went plant-based and I noticed it there's a reason why the person who brings chocolates and sweets in for a night shift is hailed the hero of the day mm. on the night shift because wow. your your body just crashes at around a certain point and you need to stay awake mm. so you reach for the quickest easiest sugar rush you can imagine so mm. it's either the tea or the uh -huh. coffee um, which I, I don't drink either and I couldn't touch or you go for the sugary stuff which is Come on, at three in the morning when you're yeah. when you're just done seeing a patient, you pass by the box, you're like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, I'll I'll be honest with you, it yeah. definitely was was difficult at that point to yeah. resist. But during the days, super easy to resist. Mm. I mean, yeah. I would go into the uh, W H Smiths uh, at the at the hospital, and there's just ironically in a hospital, there's three rows of junk food mm. and like a half a row of like of like nuts and seeds and stuff yeah, yeah. yeah. and mm. then it's just crisps and junk food all over the place so is that grasshoppers i don't know what it is i was just listening sounds <laughs> like maybe like a little squirrel up. eating a nut or oh, that's it yeah anyway, sorry you probably can't hear that sorry guys <laughs> brief intervention <laughs> yeah so um during the days it's much easier to to walk down those aisles and ignore all the junk food and go for the my usual my trail mix of, of nuts and seeds and yeah. protein, mm. my protein bomb. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but nighttime, no. it's, it's, it's amazing how strong that drive yeah. is in your body as well. And it's like if you're if you're gonna make me stay awake, I'm gonna make you eat some things you don't yeah. really want to yeah. eat. Yeah, and it's it's satisfying. You, yeah. it's that 
it's an undescribable satisfaction having that really bad food at that time of the night. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It soothes the soul, and you're like, yeah, it's I'm good. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. fantastic. It's so weird. Uh, one of the things I found, I, I started practicing kind of like cyclical ketosis, um, like metabolic flexibility more than anything else, really, for the last three or four years. And my blood sugar response is so even to the point where like I, I find it like three or four in the morning when I have to do like late nights working or whatever I don't have that kind of I used to, I remember when I used to drive to the farm really late at nights every, every Wednesday night and I would be like just getting there kind of fade, like really fading like dangerously fading yeah and I just don't get that anymore do you, do you guys have, are, are, do you do kind of keto or have you looked at keto I mean it's, it's, it's not it's really challenging when you're doing it yeah. on a, a vegan or a plant based version of it isn't it so do you want to talk about the keto no. <laughs> Fair enough, you don't have to. So said nothing was off limits. <laughs> so we're not big fans of the keto, okay. uh, the keto diet. Interesting. Um, because the reason for that is because number one, with the keto diet, you need. I'm really hearing that. Yeah, I know it's so loud, right isn't it? I feel like I want to go and explore it. Yeah, it's just over that dip. Isn't just it? Under that dip it's it's loud though, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you hear it here? So you are not a big fan? No, we're not a big fan of ketosis, and no offense to you, my man, but... No, no, um, no fine. But we don't... I'm not in nutritional ketosis, that's not like, that's, I'm yeah. not yeah. hardcore about this. Yeah, that's... The, the, it's more about getting to know that my body can do this other thing in the background, but go on, sorry. No, well, that's fine, because um, ketosis is, is a point where you you reach... How many how many hours do you have to be in order for, your, for your ketosis for you to, to start? About 14 hours? Well, tw well, 12 to 14 kind of thing, and you begin to see, like, it goes up to kind of 3, 4, that sort of thing. That's, right. Yeah. that's right. That's yeah. right. So that kind of fits in with intermittent fasting. Yeah. Right? Along that. So that's what I do. Okay, I, all right. I, I do... So basically, it's time fasting. So. Yeah. So, Sham, you're not into... <laughs> <laughs> you're not into the ketogenic diet? No. Um, um, I feel that... Uh, that if you're eating a plant-based diet and you're allowing your body to heal efficiently, naturally, uh, being in a ketotic state is counterproductive and it's not a long-term strategy okay. for, for eating well and for living well. Um, yes, it's grand for a short period of time, you know, a few months, year, whatnot, but, but I don't think that that's sustainable for the vast majority of folks. Mm. I think it's far easier for most folks to live on a plant-based diet. Okay. It's easier for them to, to do that rather than restrict themselves and get to that ketotic state. So the word restricted, so time-restricted eating, mm. if we were to bring it back to that, which also has some sort of like, you know, it's a pathway towards ketosis for some people. How do you feel about that when you just begin to like restrict the windows of, of feeding? Yeah, so so there's interesting, there's some, in the last five to six years, a lot of data coming out about mm. that and they're showing a lot of, of health benefits. They're seeing lots of people's objective markers, their blood levels, their hormone levels, their whatever they're measuring, they're coming down quite rapidly too, faster than any medication we could prescribe in, in, uh, in medicine. Amazing. Uh, but they don't know why. Mm. We have no idea how it works. We have lots of theories. We have theories, you know, the glucose decrease is causing a ketotic increase, which is causing cells to, to shift and 
produce new RNA strands for, for this kind of replication and that kind of synthesis? We have no idea. Mm. All that we know is that it works. But there's no real good science behind what's going on. Yeah. My concern is that it's for ketosis, is that it's hard to maintain, it's hard to keep yeah. going for that period of time. And the patients who have been able to keep uh, at, a, at a steady ketotic level for mm. years, they hit that ceiling that we talked about earlier mm -hmm. where they don't get gains anymore. They don't see that 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 that, um, that process, that progress rather. Mm. And so they either get really frustrated or they start to, when they hit that ceiling, they start to degenerate. The, okay. the, the symptoms become really bad. They start getting sleeplessness. They get really bad digestive issues. Um, the hormone levels start going out of bounds. And again, we don't really understand the mechanism by which ketosis would, would help. And more importantly, we don't know why things tank in yeah. the end. Now, um, that's just based on what I've read. I haven't necessarily practice ketosis I try to I'm dabbling with uh, intermittent fasting at the moment to see how I feel personally um, so so that's just a personal thing and because the data is coming out something that's doing well for, for some people yeah. but I don't know if that's a long-term strategy yeah um, as you can tell I'm not Irish or Hungarian I am yeah. of a different color skin yeah. I'm uh, I'm Indian by by uh, genetics so my mom and dad are both from North India okay and um, in North India, uh, there's a lot of fasting. It's mm. a part of the culture. Yeah. So it's not something that I'm not familiar with. And I, in fact, used to do it with my mom and dad when, when I was younger. So it wasn't a problem. How did, how did fasting look in North India? What, what part of the culture was that? Like what? It was so... Um, are we talking in Muslim, Islamic? Hindu. Hindu, in, in Hindu. Hindu. So how, how does it fit into so Hindu practice? So I'm not Hindu, I'm Sikh. Okay. But, you know, the Hindu and the Sikh cultures are very intertwined. They're, they're very... Very similar. It's like Northern Ireland, Ireland. Mm. You can't okay. really ex <laughs> extricate the two. Right. Um, so the so whatever whatever one culture ended up doing, the other one kind of picked up and, and took on. So uh, the Hindus would fast as part of their religious spiritual journey. Um, the Sikhs kind of did it to every so often, willy nilly, I guess you would say, uh, to help them uh, for whatever reason. Uh, mm -hmm. Now there's nothing in our in my religion that says you have to fast, but it's an accepted part that you can fast. If yeah. you need mm. to, to, if you want to, and um, I remember doing so with my mom because my mom was vegetarian uh, mainly, so she was very much into her trying to get her spiritual health in, in check and her physical health. So she was she would like to try to fast every so often. And so we would we would spend a day and fast. Mm. Um, and so I got acclimatized to that very young, very early. So I thought as I got older and the studies started coming out as saying that. Prolonged fasting for a minimum of 12 hours shows some health benefits. I thought to myself, well, you know, I know how to do it. It's not that hard for me to do, mm. so why not give it a shot? So I'm in the process of doing that. Okay. Um, Which you use, so you were like 8 to, well, eight, 8 at night until sometime the next kind of mid-morning? Yeah, yeah, so, so exactly. So my yeah. last meal will be whenever we have dinner, yeah. um, and then 8, 8.30, and yeah. then uh, actually 7. We were a bit earlier, and yeah. then we're back home. Good for you. And, uh, <laughs> Jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then I'll, morning time comes, I'll have a glass of water, and I go straight off to work. Yeah. And I won't get my first meal till lunch, which is around 12.31. Okay, okay, good so for you. So that's... Yeah. 16, 16, 17 hours. Yeah, that's a decent stretch. And so do you, do you train a bit? 
Yeah. Um, and and do you fasted train? How do you feel about that? And how do you feel about like athletics and plant based and that sort of stuff? So I have fourteen questions. But no, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's it's good because um, this isn't a debate my wife and I have on a regular basis, a daily basis. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad one. It's not a bad one, because because she's of the mindset that when when we train, we should have glucose on board for mm. energy usage, and she's absolutely right. But um, the some of the literature out there in regard to intermittent or time fasting doesn't prevent you from exercising or working out. Mm -hmm. um, so they and they and they and they find that there are good gains to be to be had. Mm. By Growth doing hormone that. seems to spike with some types of training response yeah, too, doesn't it? Yeah. Exactly. So um, I'm not sure. Mm. To, to answer your question, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure which one is better. But how do you feel on it? Do you, do, you, do you feel a difference? So what I do is when I wake up in the morning, first mm. thing I do is my yoga. Mm. I do my hatha yoga mm. for 20, 30 minutes. Um, and when I'm done, I just grab my second glass of water and I'm ready for the rest of the day. Mm. I, that's all I really need yeah. to go forward. And then when I get home, I'll do a you know HIIT exercise, a HIIT exercise, yeah, yeah, yeah. or a kettlebell workout if I've got, if I've got the time, which most times I don't. <laughs> <laughs> home is yeah. for when I come home, it's for children and wife, mm. and oh, well done, very okay. little extra time for that. Yeah. But but I try to sneak it in. But again, when I do the heavier stuff, it would be after I've had meals, obviously okay. on board. Okay. Um, but it seems to work well. I seem yeah. to. Feel. You function well. I, I function. Yeah, mind is bright and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I go to work. I yeah. see my first patient, and I don't. I don't stop until three hours later, and it's just nonstop. Yeah. So I feel. I feel on the whole. Yeah. For everything. So, so there's there's two like really interesting ultra marathoners you probably heard of. I'm trying to remember their names now, but one of them is uh, a vegan or a plant. Well, I think he actually is vegan, mm. and he uh, he won some ridiculous 300 kilometer race. I think last year that was mm. a, a kind of put the veganism stamp on you know okay, or at least kind of it shut up the audience that was kind of like, you can't do these things without meat. <laughs> and the other guy is somebody who does a lot of uh, who's a keto a keto athlete mm. who's also an ultra ultra marathon runner. Uh, and the, uh, I'm trying to remember because uh, they're all they're both kind of breaking records beyond other people. Right. Uh, and they're the only two people at the level in their field who are practicing these really alternative diet methods. Yeah. Um, do you do you think that like at some point when the body is being put under this sort of level of stress, because one of the things we see a lot, and I've seen certainly with people I've, I've come across, um, both plant-based, vegan, etc., that when the body's put under stress, it's suddenly like you get these nutrient stores that are perfect for years and years and then suddenly like b12 drops through the floor and they can't they can't get it back up or these sorts of things how do you feel about when the body's put under that sort of stress like in those sorts of lifestyles or, or high stress situations it's a it's a it's a complicated process mm. and it's very difficult mm. to to judge in advance of sure where deficiency may be hiding under mm. the surface and that's one of the things as we talked earlier before the podcast started I have a lot of different interests and one of them is is trying to figure out mineral and vitamin balances and why some stores seem to just deplete on, mm. on a dime where mm. others seem to be resistant to every kind of stress yeah and it's a fascinating thing because the human body requires all these nutrition all these bits of nutrition at all parts of the life but in varying quantities and in varying ratios and what I'm finding out is as these ratios change um, as your needs are, 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 or your requirements are, are, are being met, um, those ratios will drop, and it can it can give a kind of a false picture of health mm. because the body's ability to to uh, to sequester vitamins and minerals is is we really don't know 
how well the body can sequester vitamins and minerals. We don't know the kind of storage mechanisms that are involved. Mm. For and these. this is why it's pointless, and we don't focus on individual nutrients, yeah. except yeah. for B12 if somebody is vegan, because we, B12 is a must then, but mm. we even see meat eaters and omnivores who have low B12. So, so it's an overall, overall issue nowadays. Mm. So yeah. absolutely, so that's, so it's a fan, it's a fan, fascinating question. It's a fantastic field of, mm. of interest for myself, okay. because and this goes back to the lifestyle diseases. I've I've had many patients who who have, for all intents and purposes, they're healthy, mm -hmm. but they come in saying they're they're fatigued, they're mm. they can't sleep well, they're they're this, they're that, mm. and I know, and I know there's a mineral imbalance under the surface, just brewing, just mm. waiting for that next infection mm. or waiting for the next stress to kind of to bring mm. itself to the surface. As a doctor. I want to be able to prevent that from happening, mm. but I can't because I don't have. You only see it when it comes. Yeah, I don't have enough tools yeah. in my toolbox. I don't have enough understanding to be able to help them, and mm. that's a bit frustrating for me. And that's why I'm really interested in digging deeper into that. Okay, and do you can can you access things like organic acids tests and these sorts of things? Or are they are they are they open to you in in general practice, or do you have to go way off piste? And is that just a different? system of medicine so right now um i work i work in the uk i work under the auspices of the nhs okay okay which means that my hands are fairly tied okay regarding <laughs> what i can what i can ask what for. you can ask for yeah, yeah. Okay. um huh. and so so something like no test or hair mineral analysis test yeah. or, or you know a dutch test would be off limits they, okay. they, they wouldn't even touch that with a ten wow. pole. um if i were in my own private setting obviously i would be able to do that mm -hmm. but it's about sourcing the right labs sure. to, to be yeah. able to do those tests yeah, 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 yeah. because we've we've gone through several different labs in the uk yeah. and, and we found a hair mineral test to be the best for yeah. assessing mineral status that, that that's our favorite it's, really? it's cheap okay yeah yes. unfortunately it's not uh, it's not paid by uh, insurance, insurance yeah. so so it's a private test but it's uh -huh. affordable yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, and it shows a great picture of so, so without those those tools available to you, if you let's say you're picking the Joe public and you're kind of telling him to like do one thing, eat one food, let's say, <laughs> like you have to have favorites. I know you're not allowed to pick favorites, but you have to have favorites because there's some really into like some get a lot of attention, some don't get so much. Of, are there any particular foods that you think that people are missing out on that that could be vegetables? something. If there is one thing that that we would tell people, even if they say that they can't imagine that they can go plant-based, uh -huh. make your diet a vegetable-heavy diet. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Another like yeah. powerhouse and vegetables. a variety variety of vegetables See, that's because the they all have their their benefits this is why they say i know we can't we can't because and that's a difficult is it about that rainbow thing? that's why they that's say the eat problem. the rainbow if we if we have focused because they on are helpful together yeah you, you can't focus on one or two vegetables or one in two groups of vegetables because sure. that's not how nature designed us this is why it's eat. misleading to yeah, read yeah, yeah, articles yeah. like eat this food to combat sure. high cholesterol yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it can't be done. So it won't it do anything on its own. It has to be a persistent kind of good diet to prevent these kind of conditions. So eat, eat the rainbow. I would I would just before we because I know we're coming to wrapping up now um, I would just like to talk or ask you a little bit to talk about your daughter Jasmine yeah. um, because we you mentioned earlier that she was born with Down syndrome yeah. and that kind of started your journey and I think it would be nice to then finish up our talk coming back to her and how have you found 
she's responded to this because I'm sure there are going to be listeners out there who might have children with Down syndrome or even who have children changing children's diet yeah. is not easy yeah. especially we started Jeffen was around 6 and yeah. her sister was around 5 when we decided that we have to change our diet in order to have a healthier life right. um, it it's, a, it's definitely a process it's, mm. it took us at least I would say 2 years when we got to a point where, where we were happy with their diet mm -hmm. so slowly slowly we didn't want to make it stressful for them we wanted to make it we didn't want to make it a forceful kind of process yeah. that I take this out and you can't have that mm -hmm. we kind of removed things they weren't available and over time they didn't ask for those things yeah. and uh, we go shopping with them we teach them how to read labels what to look out for um, and how to choose their foods to to have a healthier life Jasmine was also diagnosed with Hashimoto's like myself, so oh. her diet was kind of restricted and still is at some uh, point. She doesn't have dairy, she doesn't have gluten, and she doesn't eat soy uh, because of her condition. And her Hashimoto's just turned over. In Western medicine, they tell you once you have Hashimoto's, your mm. antibodies cannot be, uh, cannot come down, but that's not true. Mm. Her Hers antibodies. are almost in the normal range mm. after, after right. hers only started out three in the, years. In the yeah. thousands, her antibodies are in the thousands, and we and it's normal under 34. Amazing. Yeah. So it's was through the roof, and just with diet alone, no medicines, no nothing. We and were able she to loves to eat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she yeah. loves to eat. And but if, she, if uh, you put uh, up to her, then, you know. She wouldn't stop eating. She <laughs> loves to eat. So we had to make sure that because she loves to eat, we have to give her food that she can comfortably eat as much as she wants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, what we noticed it is that uh, she knows when it's, when it's enough. Okay. When, when she feels that she's satisfied, she's full, she'll say, I've had enough. So, so she doesn't overeat. Yeah. One of the things when what worried us when she was younger um, before we made this, this change is that Jasmine had a ravenous appetite. Mm. She would eat and eat and eat. I mean, she and she was born into a Hungarian diet. We lived in when she was born. We still okay. lived in Hungary. Okay. So that's a so lot it of was meat, meat that's heavy, all, yeah. lots yeah. of Oil. refined carbs, lots of pasta. Yeah. So she would eat all this food, and she would love it, and we were very happy and proud. Mm. But then um, it got to a point where we got we're wondering what's really going on. Mm. When we years later when we finally figured out that she did have Hashimoto's one of the symptoms of Hashimoto's in children is a ravenous appetite oh, oh really the inability to do not know when you're hungry so is that a leptin ghrelin thing sorry that's yeah, getting very old fact issue. it is yeah, it's a leptin yeah, issue yeah, it's oh, Hashimoto's didn't know that yeah. interesting because it's an autoimmune process and the autoimmune process affects the entire body yeah. just the thyroid more yeah in one yeah. case so in, the, in this case so so when we were able to start to reverse her Hashimoto's with the diet, she miraculous, miraculously started self-limiting mm. how much she ate because she would say, "I'm done." Yeah. She would, she would she would literally stop it herself, which was unheard of, which was yeah. amazing. When this is how we knew we were on the right track, yeah. and this is what gave us as the confidence to say well, we can continue with this with this yeah. dietary change. Good and goodness. over the years, after two years now, or three years now, three, three. Three years for now. her, yeah. Yeah, she has. Um, she now tells us what foods that she can and cannot eat. Obviously, she'll push the boundaries. Yeah. She'll be like, "I want that. I want <laughs> this." Yeah. But when it comes down to eating, she'll. She knows I can't have gluten, and she's happy with that. She yeah. doesn't miss it. She she can't have dairy. She knows that she doesn't eat it. And, and it's because she, she feels a sensitivity when she 
No, she's used to it. So she's so she's made these. She's she's taking these restrictions that that normally normally children would would rail against, yeah. mm-hmm. and she's made them her own. Yeah. And she says, "This is what I won't take, but everything else is, all, is yeah. okay." And my son's the same with dairy. Like he knows, like he'll be if people are eating ice cream, he'll be like, oh, "Is that dairy?" Or he'll be like, "Oh, mom, they're eating an ice cream. Is it dairy?" And they'll go, "Yeah, it's dairy." And he'll go, "Okay." And then that's the end of it mm-hmm. for him because he knows wow. that's just how it is for him. The interesting thing is, the earlier you start with children, the easier it is mm. for them to recognize those foods that are not beneficial for their health. Mm. And that's as a doctor, as a health coach, that's our approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not, we don't want to restrict children for the sake of it. We want to just keep them away from those things that are not going to benefit their body, yeah. benefit mm. their mind. That's it. It's as simple as that. And if I you know. can start that earlier, great. And it doesn't mean you can't have fun. There's so much exactly. fun baking and cooking that you can do that's delicious. Because a child says that I'm not going to eat vegetables doesn't mean that they won't, you know, it's a distinct thing in the mind when they mean when they say vegetables. You had to be tricky about certain things like, you know, grind up mushrooms, put it Mm. into pastas, Mm. pasta sauces and stuff like that, and or patties, that's a big trick, you know, just blend up everything, Mm. make a patty and they have no idea what's in it, but it still tastes good and they will eat it, but now we don't have to do that anymore. I do think another thing that I find, and I know like, me and you would probably differ on this a little bit. Um, <laughs> is, and I, you know, I was brought up, a, a lot of my life was in Nepal, and in Nepal there's this thing where you, they always serve the guests first, and you get your food, and if you eat the whole plate, it's that they haven't given you enough, so then they'll give you more. Mm-hmm. So you always leave a little bit on the edge of your plate to say, like, I'm so full, you've given me such an abundance of food, thank you so much. So I was brought up with that. That was kind of a model for me, that you didn't have to finish every single thing on your plate. Mm-hmm. You could leave a little bit, and that was fine. And then we moved back to England, and suddenly it was really rude to leave food, and that you should just eat everything, and that's the way it is. And so I've always been really strong about when I feel full, I'm just not going to eat anymore because yeah. it doesn't feel right in my body to put it in. I don't feel good. But people find that very offensive and they get very annoyed about it and really righteous <laughs> about it. <laughs> and people are always, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, but that's so wasteful and you're wasting all this food. And there's this massive thing with kids, just one more bite or just have three more bites. I'm full, I'm no, full. No, just yeah. finish your plate. No, and I find that difficult. I yeah, don't know. It is difficult. And we always wanted our children to have a healthy relationship with food. Yes. Yes. We didn't want them to feel like, you know, I've... That, that feeling that they attach to food that I was forced to eat that. Yeah. So we never do, yeah, food mm. we, we never, never, we never did that. And I feel like it stops them from learning, like what you listening to what you're saying about Jasmine and how she d- she had that thing. And, and my son ha- was, is a bit like that, that he loves food and he actually loves all types of food. Yeah. And he would kind of just eat and eat mm. uh, before. Now he started to self-regulate a little bit more. But I never wanted him to have that thing of, he sits down, whatever gets put on his plate, he just has to eat all of it, regardless of whether he's full or he's not full. Because that's just, I feel like it's negating listening to those symptoms, not symptoms, signals that your body's giving you of actually, you know, I've I've had enough of this now. Mm -hmm. And if we don't teach them that from an early age. And if you have a healthy body, then leptin will let you know when you're done. Well, it is one one of the problems with modern society that we have now is we are told to just shovel food into our face whenever mm. we feel we're hungry but it's not a physical need it's a mental need. yeah mm. and and when you take the time to step back and you actually say to yourself am i hungry or am i just 
thinking I'm hungry. Yeah. Am I bored? <laughs> am I emotional? Am I thirsty? And when, you're, when you are thirsty, your body will tell you it's hungry. Yeah. 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 So often. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, it's interesting. So I have a patient that I'm, I'm, I just keep touting because he's he's one of my success stories. Mm. Uh, he's he's got a very bad lifestyle picture, but when I clued him in on what he needs to do, uh, he came back to me just last week and. Not only did he look better, um, he was complaining. He was saying that some of the pains that he had had in his knees and his legs had gone away. And I said, "Well, what are you doing now that you feel better?" And he said, "I'm I'm walking to the pub more often." And I was I was happy that's for him. Yeah. <laughs> I was happy for him that he could actually go there and back a couple times a day, where before he could barely get to the mailbox, which, is, yeah. which, is, which is fantastic. So um, he was very surprised. And this was only after three weeks. He was very surprised to see how his body was Change. changing. And one of the things he was noticing was that the, his his appetite had changed as well. He wasn't finding himself ravenously hungry. Really? And what changes he made? Uh, so I gave him the full litany of things. Okay. And I so my, my my approach my approach is um, the the throw as much at the wall as you can Let's and see what sticks. What sticks. Yeah, uh -huh. cool. Because you don't sense. know what the patient's going to pick up yeah, and what yeah. they're going to say, I can do this. And what they're mentally ready for. Yeah. And what they're mentally ready for. So I know some doctors like to throw just a little bit. Mm. And I, I, I'm of the scattergun shot approach. Mm -hmm. Just throw everything out there. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you pick up, grant. We, I'll pick the rest and we'll, we'll recycle it for later. Mm -hmm. um, so he picked up the, uh, the, the gluten. Right. And he picked up uh, the dairy. Mm -hmm. So the meat, he said, no, I'm not going to give up that. He's like, the alcohol, maybe later. Mm -hmm. And the smoking, I'll change to vape. So, so, okay. so wow. he did those things. Smart changes. Yeah. Smart changes within yeah. his within And that's his huge. To make those changes straight yeah. off the bat, that's a lot. I was, I was not expecting him to come back with any changes under his belt. So I was very surprised that's and cool. very happy. And more importantly, he was surprised. Because we checked his blood pressure, it had already gone down by 10 systolic points. Um, he had already lost, I think, one kilogram, which he had never done before. Um, his, he looked better, physically better. He wasn't out of breath walking into my office. It's just three weeks. Just three weeks. Body wants to be well. Body yeah. is just dying to be well. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like we should give this goodie bag to your patient, not to you guys, but because <laughs> um, he's, he's definitely earned it. That's amazing. Absolutely. Um, so each and every podcast, we uh, give away uh, goodie bags to our subscribers who've like commented or whatever. Today we kind of brought along a news stuffle with some bits for you guys. So we got some goodies, some of my faves, some of your faves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so we got like some. I don't. Medicinal mushrooms, chaga, you might have come across. Yeah. Um, we've got a grain free uh, paleo granolas in there. I don't know if you've across that. Some dates, oops, uh, that's more Lydia's sweet tooth. Uh, but they're delicious medjool dates from Palestine, so we're supporting some good, kind of healthy, kind of food politics as well. And two of our favorite things, oh, there's some peacock quinoa for those nights where you can't. Nice. Some of our own, oh yeah, this is one of the things we make in the shop. We make our own fresh peanut butter as well. So it's like no oil, Fantastic. no salt. So try that out. I hope you like it. Uh, and another really delicious spread as well, hazelnut and berries kind of spread, nut spread thing, enjoy that. And two things that we're really into as well. So, um, news S, have you come across these guys? No. Ooh, oh, great. Right. Good. Okay. Always this is the only protein powder that I've taken that sits in my digestion well. I've tried so many different ones in all different ways and they always make me feel sick afterwards. I like I have a really sensitive digestive yeah. system. We won't analyze it, Chan. Um but 
this was the only one that I was just straight away, okay, I feel great. And I have been trying a little thing over the last, I don't know, I want to say seven months, six, mm -hmm. seven months, where I've been doing like two months on, two months off, two months on to see mm -hmm. what difference I notice between my classes in my muscles and that kind of stuff. Because sometimes I might teach three, four classes a day and I was getting kind of muscle fatigue sure. and pulling different muscles in the same places in my weak spots. Um, and You're when I took this, good, uh, nothing, I just felt great, no muscle pains, nothing. And I was kind of like, oh, fixed it, got my yoga on, nice. And then I stopped for two months, all of the stuff came back again. And then I started for two months, everything disappeared. Um, so I found it, for me, I found it amazing. Mm. How, how do you relate this or rate this versus hemp protein? So it's a much denser protein. So hemp is, you know, depending on the quality. So hemp, sometimes they take out a lot of the fat. Sometimes yeah. they leave a yeah. lot of it in. Sometimes they take a lot of fiber, blah, blah, blah. So hemp is usually what, between 40 and 65 or 70% protein usually. Mm -hmm. This is 91% protein by wow. weight. So it's, it's comparable in terms of biological value to weight. Yeah. They've done right. really significant uh, tests, laboratory tests, um, in vivo tests of uh, like looking at endurance, stamina, muscle regrowth, uh, muscle density, uh -huh. uh, and, and it performs superior to weight on all of those, which is amazing. Um, there's a lot of really, really big athletes who are on it. Um, in, it. It comes from New Zealand, so all of the New Zealand rugby team are on it. There's some, some really big athletes over in, 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 in Ireland and, and the UK as well are getting into it and yeah so it's fun it's, uh, they use Thumatin as well which is this I don't know if you come, come across oh, Thumatin so Katempe fruit extract so it's it's a, a really interesting uh, sweetener where you know stevia is obviously the one that people go on about but it has this nasty flavor thing and people have to do all sorts of chemical yeah. things to, to make it taste okay so yeah. uh, Thumatin is um, it's glycemically inverse so it actually improves blood sugar response but it tastes mm. incredibly sweet it's incredibly expensive so not many people use it but mm. you don't need to use a tiny amount so um, so yeah we really like it got lots of um, you know, matcha in there, so you've got loads of theanine as well, so kind of nice for kind of uh, calm, um, what you call it, nervous system response and Brilliant. all the kind of EGCG stuff that all the, that's actually the one thing docs were kind of saying, we're, we're getting a lot of, a lot of pastry, like cancer patients in at the moment, and the one thing the docs are saying like, drink loads of green tea. You know, it's the only thing. It's going, oh, but there's a fair few other things. <laughs> okay, fine. But green tea, amazing. Great. Yeah. If they're going to do one thing, cool. So he has lots of that good stuff in there. Anyway, so that's all for you guys uh, and a bar from the same thing. So hope you enjoy that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been amazing. Oh, really so we've been looking forward for so too. long yeah. to having you. Yeah, yeah. Really yeah. so long. It feels like ages. Yeah, yeah. doesn't it? And yeah. I think when we when we first started the podcast and we were kind of workshopping in our head mm -hmm. who our, our dream guests were, you guys were kind of top of the list. Yeah. Like, we've got to get those guys. We've got to get those guys. So we hope that when you move back here, we can team up and do some interesting little workshops and events with Definitely. you guys. Definitely. Absolutely. We would Absolutely. love it. Amazing. And so if guys, if you want to find them, SmartMed, what's your so website www.smartmednutrition.com. Okay, okay, so www.smartmednutrition.com. And if you have any questions for these guys, please pop them in the comments and I can subscribe and we will pass them on. Cool, cool. Thanks for watching, Thank guys. Thank you very Bye. much. Bye. Bye.